Welcome to Life Church. My name is Dylan Johnston, and it is an honor to be here with you online today. I just want to say a big thank you to Pastor Aaron for giving me this opportunity to speak to you today. Last week, we kicked off our series, Seal of Approval, where we're going through the book of Romans to examine how we can obtain and sustain righteousness in Christ and receive our approval from above. Last week we began in Romans chapter 3 and today we want to go to Romans chapter 4 where Paul, the writer, begins to utilize Abraham, uh, an Old Testament figure, as an example for our faith. Now, I learned very on that you really only get used for an example for, for one of two reasons. Either you did something really, really, really well or you failed miserably. I learned this in school. I either was going to be used as an example for having the best presentation on the subject and on the topic. I was going to be used as an example for writing the best possible paper, or I was going to be used as an example for completely botching the presentation or using Turabian instead of MLA in my bibliography. Maybe for you at work, the people that get used as an example, it's for something amazing. They're the best sales worker and they just have sales out the wazoo or maybe it's the opposite and it's that someone gets used as an example because they're always constantly late. They're never on time or they take too many breaks. I've learned in life that it's really only one or the other. You get used as an example because you're doing something amazingly well or you're kind of doing something quite bad. In here in Romans chapter 4, Paul uses Abraham, the father of the faith, to, to be the example of what our faith should look like day in and day out. And so I, I want to just dive in here in Romans chapter 4, beginning in the middle of verse 17, where it says this, Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Today, the first thing that we can take from Abraham's example of faith is this, that we need to trust in God's word. Trust in God's word. It it said right off the bat, Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. Man, that is a powerful belief to have in your life. It said Abraham believed in this God who could make new things out of nothing, who could bring the dead back to life. I ask us today, do we believe in that God? I think it's easy for us to say right off the bat, yeah, of course, we believe in that God, the God who can do the impossible. We sing the songs that he's the God of the impossible, that he never fails, that our victories in him. And yet, if we really boil it down to it, I think that that this is a much deeper question than just a knee-jerk reaction that we can quickly give off. Do we truly trust in God's word? 
As we look at the life of Abraham, we begin to realize that there's a much greater expanse of time that passes from the moment he's told he's going to be the father of many nations to the moment that he actually has a son. There's a great expanse of time in that space. Many, many tens of years go between that time. And so there's hills and valleys all in between on the journey. The question is, do you trust in God's word? You may have heard God's word to you when you were a kid, but do you still trust in that promise? You may have heard God speak to you long ago, but do you still trust in that promise? I think it's really easy, again, to say right off the bat, yes, we do, but when we begin to take our lives to the spiritual accountant of God's word, uh, does it really boil out and kind of simmer down to say, yes, we trust in God's word in every aspect of our lives? In our finances, do we trust in God's word? In, in our ability to provide for our family, do we trust in God's word? In our career, do we trust in God's word? It, it, it's easy, again, to say yes, but when we take it all apart, do we trust in his word or do we trust in ourselves? Because ultimately, those are the two ends of the spectrum. We trust in ourselves or we trust in God's word. Do we trust, do we truly trust that he is able to provide all of our needs according to his great riches and mercy? Do we trust, do we truly trust that his ways are much higher than our ways? Do we trust, do we truly trust that his, his ability to make the path of our life straight is there if we just lean on his understanding and not on our own? Do we trust in God's word? I think sometimes in our lives it's easy to trust in God's word and yet there's many times where we face difficult situations and circumstances that we can come to the point where, where our trust begins to waver and even begins to dissipate because we are hit with the realities of life. And yet I think in those moments we can take another lesson from Abraham today and we can faith the facts. We can faith the facts. I get it. It sounds a little cheesy, but, but I think it's a step fur, further than just facing the facts today. It's faith the facts. Abraham, the story reads, his faith didn't weaken. And he figured, even though he figured his body was as good as dead and his wife, Sarah, her womb was empty. His faith did not waver. You see, this is what I think is so important in this day and age for us to realize and understand. True faith is not just ignoring the realities of life, but true faith is recognizing reality while trusting in God's sovereignty. I'm going to repeat that because that's important for us to get today. True faith is not ignoring the realities of life that you and I will face, but true faith is recognizing reality while trusting in God's sovereignty. You see, you may be facing difficult circumstances today. You may be facing a situation like Abraham where it seems like in all humanly natural circumstances, there's no way for what God said to come about. And yet, if we truly trust in God, our faith will go above and beyond and we will trust in him in the midst of our circumstances. You see, I've learned over the course of being in, in church and around Christians my entire life, I've learned the, the Christians typically fall on one of two ends of this thing. They, they either um, have, have this supernatural faith that, that almost ignores reality. In fact, I, they, they, they do this thing where um, they, they'll act as if, no, 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 I'm not really sick. I'm not really sick. I, I'm, I, I know I lost my job, but I'm going to overcome. And it almost it glosses over the fact that life can stink at times. And on the other end, 
Um, we can so easily fall victim and fall, tra- fall into the trap of allowing life to begin to be the driver of our, uh, of, our, of our faith instead of our faith to drive our lives. We can easily fall victim and fall into the trap of allowing our circumstances to drive our life rather than allowing our faith to drive our lives. You see, I don't think God is calling us to either end of that, but rather he's calling us right here into the middle to have a faith that is so strong that even in the midst of truly facing and looking at our circumstances, we trust that he is greater and he has the ability to do what you and I could never imagine and never fathom. It's recognizing reality while trusting in God's sovereignty. Do you have the faith in the midst of the facts that surround you today? I don't know where your job situation is after all of this season. I don't know what your family looks like after all of the season. I don't know what, what maybe your plans are, look like six, nine, 12 months from now. But do you have faith in the midst of the facts that may not be so happy in this moment? Do you have faith that God is greater even though it doesn't look like it right here and right now? Do you have faith that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that there is hope still out there even though there isn't any light right now? You see, I love this verse in another translation um, here in Romans chapter four. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Essentially saying at the end of his rope, when everything else looked bleak, when he had no other way to turn, when everything else was empty, he had a hope in God. He had a trust in God and he had faith in the father that there would be an answer to his prayer, that the promise would be fulfilled and that there would be fruition to the journey he's walked all along. I love that. And I think sometimes in our lives, we, sh- we try to shortchange the gospel by attempting to bring about God's promises in the short term when God has looked at our lives over long term and he's begun to speak over us and work in us, not for these moments, but for the journey of our entire lives. I think if we look at Abraham, we see an amazing journey of faith where he recognized reality simultaneously trusting in God's sovereignty. All throughout the Old Testament, we see people that had faith in the midst of the facts. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, they refused to bow down to the idol that the king set up in that day. And they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they say to the king, we believe that our God will save us. Our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we will praise the Lord. It was faith in the midst of the facts that they could die this very moment. Esther, there in the Old Testament, she goes before the king and she says, if I perish, I perish, but my people are on the verge of a genocide. And in the midst of the facts that she could be killed for going before the king unrequested, she still had faith that God would bring her through. We look at David and we see all throughout David's life this occur, but specifically with David and Goliath, that David goes before King Saul and says, I wanna take on the, uh, on the giant that is standing before the Israelite army day in and day out. I wanna take him on because the same God that rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the giant this day and he will be brought glory. 
He had faith in the midst of the facts. And the entire Bible is filled with people that had a faith that superseded their feelings in the moment, a faith that overcame their emotions there in that time, and yet it kept them moving forward even when the facts looked bleak. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what the facts look like about your life or your family. I don't know what your household looks like. I I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this, that in the midst of the facts of your life, you can have a faith that overcomes. And and you may not be pulled through immediately. You may not be lifted out of it in, in that exact moment, but you can have a faith to walk through it. For the psalmist writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You may feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I encourage you, place your faith in God for as you do, it brings us to the third thing that Abraham shows us through his example of faith today. As you place your faith in God, you will continue to give glory to God. You see, that's the third thing today for us to to pull from the example of Abraham's life is for us to give glory to God. It said this, in fact, his faith grew stronger and in this, he brought glory to God. Friends, I just gotta let you know, the beauty of this is that it's not about us. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about our accolades. It's not about what we can accumulate. It's not about what we can accrue, but rather it's about what we can surrender and give over to God. This whole verse talks about Abraham and his faith and his ability to walk out. And then at the very end, I love what Paul does. He flips the switch and says, wait a second, wait a second, friends. Rather, this is all about bringing glory to God. Let me elevate Abraham. Let me talk about his accolades. Let me talk about how great he is to then bring you on the U-turn and say, hey, it's really all about God. This is really all about his glory. This is really all about his fame and his name and his, his, his elevation and his, it's it's all really all about his kingdom. This isn't about us. I think that's a, a relieving concept in our lives because then it's not about your striving. It's not about your working. It's not about your trying, but rather it's about bringing glory to God. You see, our faith grows when we focus less on the problems that we face and more on God's power. Our faith grows when we focus less on the problems that we're facing and more on God's power. It's less about what we can't do and more about what he can do. Rather, it's less about what we can't do and more about what he's already done. I don't know if you remember, but there there was this man named Jesus who left heaven, came to this earth in the form of a baby, lived a a holy and perfect life, never sinned, no, not once, lived a life you and I can never live to pay, die a death you and I can never die to pay a price you and I can never pay, that we could be free. He died a death upon a cross to take upon our sins, our shame, our guilt to bring a a fulfillment and a, a solution to the qualms and the problems of the world that we could have life eternally. This is the gospel, friends, and ultimately it boils down to this concept that, that Jesus already paid the price, that Jesus paid it all, that, that when he's upon the cross and he says it is finished, that still reigns true in our lives today, that it is not about our works, but it's all about what he's already done. You see, this is all about the glory of God. And this verse um, that we read today in Romans chapter four, it says, Abraham never wavered in unbelief. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sure some of you today know a little bit more about the story of Abraham like I do. Back in Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, all, all the way up for, to somewhere around the 20s, it, it talks about the life of Abraham over the course of 10 plus chapters. And it begins to walk through his life and his journey of faith. And if you know the story like I do, you would know that his faith was anything but perfect. While it started off in the very beginning at this moment of God calling him to leave his family and his home and to trust in him to go to a place he may not know and Abraham did so quickly and he obeyed in that moment and he followed God. Uh, There were other moments where Abraham's faith did not look so glamorous. There were other times when Abraham was confronted with the problem where he attempted to bring the solution out in his own way. There was other times that Abraham had the, the, the audacity to attempt to uh, to, to, to bring peace to a situation and calm to a situation through his own manners rather than through what God had in store. If you know the story of Abraham like I do, you know that there were some um, mishaps and mess ups in his life that would, would, as you read Romans chapter four, make you look back and think, okay, how, how does Paul bring these two things together of Abraham never wavering in his unbelief. And yet still there were times where he failed, times where he messed up and times where he struggled. But I love this because it shows me how Paul is writing about the story of Abraham, that you and I are not defined by momentary mishaps in our lives. We're not defined by a momentary failure or a momentary loss. We're not defined by how we mess up or slipped up here or there, but rather we are defined by the grace and the goodness of Jesus himself. We are not defined by those moments, but rather we are defined by his mercy. In in the book of Proverbs, the writer writes, though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. It it doesn't say though the righteous man is perfect, though the righteous man never fails, though the righteous man has it all together. No, no, no. It says though the righteous man continues to fall over and over and over again, he gets back up and continues the journey. My challenge to you today is to know this, that it is not about you, but rather it's about him. So get back up. You are not a failure. You are not a mess up. You are not a mistake. You are not a loser, but rather today you are a victor. You are a winner. You do have life. You do have more in store than maybe you could ever know because as your faith in Jesus grows, you bring glory to God. And ultimately that's what this whole thing's all about. It's about the glory of God. Aren't you glad in Jesus who is pure and holy and righteous that we are remembered in the same manner, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's already done. You see, shifting from working for your righteousness and striving from, for your righteousness, it's, it's one of the most important realizations that you and I can ever have. Moving from, from working and striving and trying and doing uh, to, to try to, to, to put together good works and a good resume to get into heaven to, to surrendering and allowing Jesus' grace to cover our lives and to be our entry fee is one of the most relaxing, refreshing, and renewing experiences and moments and realizations you could ever have in your faith journey. In fact, 
Martin Luther said it was like entering a paradise of peace with God when he had this revelation. John Bunyan said it was the end of years of spiritual torture and uncertainty because he was never sure of where his faith was. He was never sure of his righteousness. He was never sure of his right standing. He was never sure of his approval until he recognized and realized it's not about what I've done or what I've not done. It's all about what he's already done. So let me bring glory to him by placing my faith in him and trusting that he has accomplished great things. You see, legal acceptance and approval before God, it's as solid as Jesus standing before God himself. And so I ask you today, what does your life look, how does your life look different when you begin to realize that your legal acceptance and your legal approval before God is as if it's Jesus standing before God himself. I think that's a very powerful statement and a very powerful understanding that you and I could really come to grasp. And if we can come to grasp that day in and day out, I think our faith journeys will look radically different than they may have in the past. For this journey in faith, while it is about us taking necessary steps to placing our faith in him, ultimately the heavy lifting, the heavy burden, the weight of the cross, it's already been taken care of. And you and I can now freely live underneath and within the grace provided by Jesus. And so day in and day out, as we face the issues that we face, we can recognize that God is bigger and that, that our faith in him is, is, is more than what that problem is. Not because we are people of great faith, I think if we're all being honest today, our faith is not probably where we want it. And yet the beautiful thing about our faith is it's not about the amount of our faith, but about where our faith rests. And if your faith rests in God and my faith rests in God, then we can be sure that, that the problems that we face will not overtake us, that there is hope, there is joy to come, and there is more in store. Today, uh, I invite you to follow God in this faith journey as Abraham did. Though you may stumble and fall along the journey, don't let those moments be what characterize you. Rather, get back up and continue to trust in the God of the impossible, the God who has done great things, the God who is bigger and greater than you and I could ever imagine. Begin to place your faith in him. Lean so heavily upon the word of God that if it were to move, you would fall. Put your whole heart in him. Trust so deeply in the finished work of Jesus on the cross that you need not strive and work for your righteousness any longer. Today, I invite you to follow Jesus free of the weight of achievement approval, but to fully embrace being a son and a daughter of God most high. You are approved through Jesus. The work is done. You are seen. You are accepted and you are approved. And wherever you find yourself watching today, I want you to know that he sees you and he knows you. And he considers you righteous if your faith is placed in him. Would you bow your heads with me today and let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, we recognize today that we are imperfect beings following a perfect and holy God. 
We recognize today that we don't have it all together, that we have our failures and our mishaps, that we have our our struggles and our doubts and our questions. But God, I thank you that I am not categorized by my momentary mishaps, but rather I can be recognized in your grace and in your mercy by the overwhelming, overabundance of faith of Jesus that, that he had in you to rescue him and all of humanity from a damnation in hell. God, I thank you that you are great and greatly to be praised. And today I place my faith in you wholeheartedly, not holding anything back, not trusting in myself to bring about any, any, any outcome, but rather completely trusting in you to do what only you can do. God, I know that you are greater than me. I know that your ways are higher than mine. And today I place my hope, my faith, my trust and everything I have in you, knowing that you have a plan and you have a purpose that I could only ever begin to imagine the beginning of. So God, I trust in you. I love you and I thank you. And I believe for greater days for each and every single one of us. And as our faith grows in the midst of our problems, we will give you glory and your name will be elevated in and through our lives. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.